Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Beasley switching it in. The U.S. go up. What a goal from Carlos Bocanegra. Boy, it'll try a long hit. What a goal from Lloyd. This is spectacular. It's hit with no regard for humanity. Is this the moment for Shakiri? Yes, it is. Switzerland and Shakiri have scored in the 90th minute. That was worth the price of admission alone. This is Soccer Matters, brought to you by the Daspit Law Firm, DaspitLaw.com. From the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Glenn Davis. Welcome to Soccer Matters on the Horn in Austin, Texas, as always, presented by the Daspit Law Firm. DaspitLaw.com, 512-CALL-NOW. John Daspit and the Daspit Law Firm bringing you the best in soccer talk. We stream at hornfm.com. You can subscribe to the Soccer Matters podcast to get both our Austin show and our Houston show on Spotify, Apple, Google, or your favorite place of choice for podcasts. All right, guests tonight. With Messi Mania going on, I thought it would be a great idea to get M- Michelle Kaufman of the Miami Herald. She will join the show tonight as Impact in South Florida on MLS. She was at his first ever training session. Um, this is a really interesting interview from somebody on the ground in South Florida. Of course, we all saw his incredible free kick uh, living up to the moment for the 2-1 to win over Cruz Azul in the League's Cup. But I want to remind you, this interview was prior to Messi debuting, but it does really give you the feel of the excitement, the emotion, everything that's going on in South Florida. Eric Quill, coach in New Mexico United in the USL Championship. He'll join the show to talk about his club that has taken, uh, since he's taken over, is 4-1-2. and two. He's changed his style of play. We'll also talk about MLS next in comparison to USL Championship, and of course, Austin FC, result-wise, is doing very good in MLS Next. Streaming at hornfm.com, Jack Farrell producing as usual. First, let's talk some Austin FC. Disappointing League's Cup loss to Mazatlan 3-1. to David Coleman, Andreas Montano, and Edward Bello get the goals for Liga MX side Mazatlan. Many people didn't know who Mazatlan was before this game. Diego Fagundes from the penalty spot for L3. This was a very poor night defensively. Sloppy might be the word. So the struggles in the cup competitions for Austin FC continue. And we hearken back to the loss to Violet in the CONCACAF League. Tuesday, Mazatlan will play Juarez at Q2. All eyes will be on the next opponent for Austin FC. So the good thing is you lie in wait for them. You get an opportunity to watch them play and scout them in person. And you're going to absolutely, Verde is going to need the three points in their final group match to think about advancing. The three to one loss to Mazatlan came at a cost. Jazzy Zordis, Maxia Rooting leaving injured, Josh Wolf squad struggling with injury all, se- injury all season long. That's certainly a point of contention at the center back position. 
Leo Weissenin remains out for another two months, according to Wolf. Danny Pereira, Sebastian Driussi, Emiliano Rigoni all did not play in this match against Mazatlan in front of a considerably smaller crowd at Q2 for international competition. Now, it's a big week, and another consideration here is contingency plans if you got ne- if you don't advance. You don't advance. you got quite a time period here with fit players that you'll need to do something and potentially get some sort of uh, game competition. Not sure how that's going to work. I think a lot of teams probably are, are kind of going on the fly with that. Now, if Austin FC is eliminated, the next match will be against uh, St. Louis and MLS play August 20th. Could be a blessing in disguise, really, in the context of getting players healthy, rebooting, maybe having almost a second preseason for the stretch run in MLS. Austin FC, they're sitting fine by MLS standards, currently fifth in the West. They're positioned well, yet they have questions. But you know what? There are many teams in MLS with the same questions heading into the next phase of the league where you have to put it into overdrive to get yourself Amongst one of 18 teams, yes, I said 18, 62% that makes the playoffs in MLS. That's why there's less pressure in these moments. Um, Many teams, again, will have questions heading into the next phase of MLS. Now, some of them will add players. That'll take them up a notch in quality. Reports at this time have Austin FC close to a deal with Matt Hedges of Toronto FC, He's 33 years of age, over 300 games for FC Dallas, 14 appearances just this year for Toronto. So certainly he would be a stopgap, probably short-term uh, solution for Austin FC. But that, you know, it, it, there is some desperation right now. Uh, they have to give up, uh, I believe, 500 and GAM to get him. So that's Matt Hedges, who we've seen playing up in Dallas for most of his career. Um, and that's obviously a move to shore up that bogey position of center back. And right now I'm thinking about Ruben Gabrielson at this moment, uh, like many of you. U.S. under 20, Brandon Craig was brought in from Philadelphia on an intra-league loan. He's only played a total of three minutes in MLS since signing in 2021. And just to go into the mind of the rookie Kip Keller, this is not easy for him to see and hear about others being brought in. Now, the three goals, you you heard the frustration from Brad Stuber. By the way, you have to give him credit for getting in front of the press all the time. Um, What went on in front of him was not good enough. Uh, The Coleman goal, uh, there's no pressure on the delivery from wide. I mean, there's nobody within 10 yards of somebody who's getting their head up and delivering the ball. Uh, Coleman sharper to pick up the second ball. Valencia kind of dove in. Fagundes couldn't get there, and he rifles it in with his left foot. Um, I would say how quickly he, he, he jumped on that secondary ball and then got the shot off with his left foot. Very impressive. 65th minute, then Fagundes would bring hope. It's a penalty. It's a, it's a postage stamp type penalty that goes into the upper corner, hit hard, high, great penalty from Diego. 67th minute, Montagna. Um, Wolf can't get it cleared. And Montagna lashes in a wonderful rifled-in left-footed finish, two left-footed finishes. And then Bello sweeps a first touch as he times a run behind the Austin FC defense, smacks it in, and that's the 3-1 to one score line. you got to win against uh, Juarez 
on Saturday. Uh, in the world of soccer, big loss. Trevor Francis uh, had a heart attack, 69 years of age. You remember him, Nottingham Forest, played for England as well. Nottingham Forest uh, won the European Cup with his goal against Malmo. So that's a sad one. He also played in Major League Soccer with the Detroit Express. Uh, uh, not Major League Soccer, excuse me, the NASL. Boys jumping ahead there. All right, uh, coming up now, Eric Quill, New Mexico United. We'll take a break here. On the Horn in Austin, Texas, presented by DaspitLaw.com. 512-CALL-NOW. John Daspit and the Daspit Law Firm are presenting sponsors. Don't forget, Manchester United, Real Madrid, uh, this Wednesday in the state of Texas and Houston as all these international matches continued. Christian Pulisic looked good for AC Milan last night in a 3-2 loss to Real Madrid. We'll break. We'll come back. we got more soccer talk. All right, welcome back to Soccer Matters, uh, always presented by John Daspit and the Daspit Law Firm. DaspitLaw.com in Houston, 713-CALL-NOW in Austin, 512-CALL-NOW. John and his firm, personal injury attorneys, are bringing soccer to you on the airwaves. Um, get in a car, boat, motorcycle accident, you need the best. It is John Daspit, Daspit Law Firm, DaspitLaw.com in Austin, 512-CALL-NOW in Houston, 713-CALL-NOW. This is a great local story because uh, our next guest, the uh, Houston area youth product, went on to play professionally in Major League Soccer, uh, got into the coaching side of things after his playing career, recently got named the New Mexico United USL Championship head coach. Uh, they're coming off a 3-0 win over Sacramento. They are 4-1-2 and since he took over, and they have now climbed in the Western uh, Division uh, when it comes to their standings. He is Eric Quill. Many of you will know him, and he joins us now. Eric, thanks so much for coming on. My pleasure, Glenn. Always a, always fun to speak to you. Yeah, it's good. All right, 4-1-2 and two since taking over. Before we get into the current form of the team, uh, last we knew you were assistant coach in Columbus. That ended with Caleb Porter being, uh, you know, moved on. This opportunity, how did it arrive How'd you decide to take it and how quick of a kind of run has this been for you? Yeah, it was really kind of a surprise out of nowhere. Um, I got a text from an unknown number and asking me if I'd be interested in a, <clears throat> a USL championship head coaching job. And, I, you know, of course I'm interested and wanted to know more. So I, I uh, called the number back because I didn't have it saved. And it, it was a sporting director here. Uh, it's Mark Kynan, and uh, and we started talking, and uh, he asked if I'd be willing to sort of formally interview because they had a head coach that was it was going to leave on for a better opportunity, um, and so he was going to look to try to you know find somebody pretty quickly. So we started the interview process pretty much right away, um, and I had known about New Mexico United from. You know, I've kind of been watching him from a distance. Uh, a couple of years ago, when I was in Dallas, they played FC Dallas in the Open Cup, and was successful against Dallas. Uh, and so, really, kind of put them on my, on the map in my mind. And I just kind of been paying attention from afar. And so, just and then studying the club, and you know, you you, you see the fan support here. Uh, the state is just uh, really bought into 
the, the team here and, and uh, they support it. If you, if you watch any of the games, it's amazing the support they get. So I just – and then I came and watched the game, and I, I was part of the sort of the fan experience, and that's what sold me was, uh, you know, coming to see a live game and seeing the atmosphere. I just knew it was a place that I wanted to be and, and wanted to help. Eric will take it over for Zach Prince, New Mexico United. All right, so you get there. What's the first order of business? I mean, are you bringing in any – staff members or is it you currently you know you just work with the staff that you inherit there after Zach Prince leaves yep I mean we left we kept staff staff and they're great and I feel very lucky um about the staff because they're just amazing soccer minds and people so I really lucked out and the, the environment I've joined um and so yeah I mean it was just basically more me adapting to them than them adapting to me because you know season had already been going and so my staff knows this roster better than I do. I mean, I obviously studied a bit before I took the job, but I really relied a lot on them to sort of, you know, help me kind of get my feet under me. And uh, yeah, now, I mean, we're, we're, we're doing well right now and we're hope to keep it going, but it's a, obviously it's an everyday process and you got to keep invested in. For the listeners, uh, Eric also was at North Texas FC, as you remember in the FC Dallas organization. And again, came over from the Columbus crew this after a long playing career in major league soccer and places like uh, Kansas city with the wizards. All right. So you get in there, how much do you change? I mean, mentality, tactics, personnel. I, I, I get that you're listening to the guys that have been around these players, but you know, what type of an impact can a coach have right away? Obviously everybody's got to, you know, uh, set their flag in the ground with the new coach's eyes on them. But you know, what do you do? Mentality, tactics, personnel. Uh, the personnel was, I mean, again, that's one of the reasons why I took the job was seeing the personnel was there's some really quality players here. Um, so I felt like it needed a, you know, sort of a style of play a model. Um, I think they were, they were pretty direct and, and uh, not a lot of, you know, intricacies in the, with the ball. Um, so I really wanted to kind of change our identi- identity with the ball. Um, and create more freedom and creativity and, um, and then more structure and discipline with, without the ball. Uh, so we've really kind of created some real good discipline, you know, when we, when we don't have it. Um, and playing the player strengths, knowing, you know, getting, now getting used to the roster is putting these guys in positions that they'll be successful. And then, you know, again, you know, as you know, like myself, when you play free and you feel um, – like you can make mistakes and, and it's not going to be, you know, these guys are, are willing, we're willing to allow mistakes, but it's our discipline when we, when we lose it, you know, how we get behind it. Um, but these guys are coming up with ideas now and there's some really good football that we're, we're growing into week to week. So I'm excited about where we are, but I'm really more excited about where we're going. Looked at the Sacramento highlights, Eric, and it, it looked, the environment just looked great. Three goals. You beat a very, very good team. Armando Moreno has a goal and an assist. Uh, I'm reading the quotes from the players to your statement that you just made about players feeling free and enjoying the game more. Uh, you hear a lot of that coming from them. That doesn't mean you can necessarily do that. You felt you had the right players to be able to do that. Yeah, 100%. I mean, so it, uh, these are, these, these, I got a lot of great veterans here that have been around a while along with a good combination of young players coming up. Um, and so it's a really well-balanced roster of, of guys committed, guys that have championship backgrounds to them in USL. 
So feel really lucky with with the character we have in our in our locker room. Um, and so I just needed to kind of feed their spirit and and you know help change a couple things and and we're and we're rolling right now. So it's uh, but it's always like you said, like you know, it's a uh, it can change on a dime. So we've got to really keep the mentality right. The mentality piece is is crucial um, if you want something in the end. So we have our eyes on a prize and and uh, and we want to work every day to get there. And the intensity in our training environments picked up, and the guys welcome that. Our staff has welcomed that, and it's just uh, when you have these things clicking and and the buy-in, it, it makes the job really fun. He's Eric Quill. He's from the Houston area. Uh, not only went on to play in Major League Soccer, but has really uh, put together a great body of work from a coaching perspective, starting with 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 youth soccer right on up to North Texas uh, and player development at that level, and uh, MLS associated with FC Dallas, on to being an assistant coach at Columbus now heading up New Mexico United in the USL Championship, who are on the rise. They're 4-1-2 and two under Eric uh, at this time. Let's talk about the environment, because even prior to you being there, I always just kind of loved this, this thing going on in New Mexico, uh, averaging 10,000-plus last year. Uh, there is a lot of community engagement, a lot of state engagement, and then a really cool stadium. They call it the Lab. It's a, it's a minor league baseball stadium, but it's it's actually a really cool environment. Just take us into all that and what you've experienced so far. Well, it's it's just unique um, how the whole state um, gravitates towards New Mexico United. Um, you have people that travel long distances to be at the games. Um, it doesn't matter if it's a Wednesday night or a Saturday. Um, they're coming out. Uh, 10 plus every game. Uh, so it's just, <clears throat> and then when you're in the stadium, the, these guys aren't just sitting there idle in their seats. Um, we've got the curse behind the goal that is rowdy all game long. Um, fan engagements, they're into it. They're soccer knowledgeable. Um, so it makes, you know, 90 plus minutes of the game just really enjoyable and, and a drill and rushed uh, because you just, you see the passion that they, they, they cheer with and they root with. Um, so as I can't imagine what the players feel because it's, I mean, I'm just a coach on the sideline. I don't get to touch the ball. Um, but from the, from a coach's perspective, it's, it's, a it's a lot of fun coming out of that tunnel and, and seeing the fan engagement. Is it a, is it a, is it a good healthy pressure that you would want for your players? Do, do you, do you feel that? Because that's a necessary ingredient, right? 100%. I mean, especially with, with we're going to, you know, the young players coming in and, and uh, you know, the veterans obviously are used to playing in front of crowds, but the young ones, this is where their real development happens when uh, the pressure's on the line with a rowdy crowd um, and having to del- deliver. Uh, so, it, you know, from that standpoint, we're really a unique environment for development for the young players uh, because, the, like I said, the fans, the fans want to see a great product on the field and they, and they deserve that. And so we're really blessed to have such a such a fan engagement, so these players, these young guys, are really um, st- sort of starstruck when they walk out for the first time and, and get that engagement. But they're they're going to grow. These guys don't know it yet, but they're going to grow at fast rate, and uh, and that's the expectation. He's Eric Quill. He is uh, the head coach of New Mexico United. So that's a really interesting thing to me because as MLS Next is kicked off, I notice a lot of these games are really just played in front of staff. They're not played in front of big crowds you don't have the element that you have at New Mexico United of, of a real crowd in the USL championship. And, you know, 10,000 plus P 
people. Is that something, having been on both sides of the, this, Eric, that, you know, I'm not trying to sound the alarm bell here, but is that something that you think is missing from MLS Next? That's a pretty important ingredient when it comes to player development. I do. I do. I think anybody would tell you the same, even guys working in the MLS Next environment. While it's a great league, it's a very technical league, um, you know, the the pressure – of a, of a crowd um, you can't simulate um, with noise on a, on a speaker. I mean, it's, it's just a, it's something you, you have to have. Um, so it's just like repetition in soccer. It's basically putting yourself in a, in a stressful environment over and over again, and you're going to grow, you're going to sink or swim. And so I think that that is an ingredient missing. Um, that's important. Uh, but the, the league is obviously very great with young talent and, um, but, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a debatable <clears throat> argument um, on whether or not there's still a, a big gap between, you know, that that environment and, and what USL Championship provides uh, because of the fan engagement. So, you know, I, I, I typically sit on the side of, of guys learning to play in front of crowds and having pressure on them. Um, but there's there's there's, you know, positives and negatives to both. And, and uh, but I, I just really enjoy this environment for our young guys. Eric Quill joining us, coach of New Mexico United USL Championship. Well, having been on both sides of it, I mean, just assess level of play in MLS next to USL Championship. Well, you have, you know, you have men that have, have put in a lot of years under their belt and they have and the athleticism and the speed and the mentality is very, very high here in USL Championship and the desire um, to, to win is, is, is very high. And it's becoming more technical, to be honest. I think if you look at the league compared to five, ten years ago, um, there's some really good footballing teams out here, and they have a lot of lot of talent, and they're they're getting better and better. So I think they're you know more and more teams are playing a better brand. Um, But the 27, 28, 29 is still. I mean, these guys have families; they got mouths to feed, and so there's a there's a really you know there's some some pressure that goes with that. And these guys deliver on a daily basis. These guys are super professional. They understand what it takes to, to win and, and be uh, a champion. And so it's a, uh, it's a, it's a very um, high level environment for, for these guys, especially our young guys coming into and getting to learn on a daily basis from these guys that have been around doing it for a while. So I really like this league. I think it's getting, it's getting more and more technical but it's got great speed and athleticism and transition um, games at a high level. So it's providing pretty much everything you can ask for. And Eric, uh, you, you just touched on another piece that maybe MLS next doesn't get as much that, that older hungry 28 year old, um, you know, obviously some players are dropping down to get back and regain fitness on, on, on two teams or, or second teams, but, I mean, that's the other beauty of a young player being in the USL Championship, right, is the fact that they are going up against hardened veterans that are uh, trying to make ends meet, uh, work in life, raise families, and be a professional soccer player. Yeah, it's, it's probably the second part. That, that ingredient missing is, is, uh, is these guys have desire behind them, like I said, because of the families, because of uh, their years of experience. Uh, and, and, you know, as your, as your clock is ticking, you want to try to grab as much, you know, as many trophies as possible before you have to hang them up. And so that when, when that end end is in sight, it's a real, it, it, it motivates you to come to work every day to, to enjoy, 
you know, the blessings you have to play this game and our guys don't take that for granted. Yeah. We, we don't, we don't ever forget that. It's uh, what a privilege to be involved. Your whole life has been about the game of soccer. I mean, from growing up in Houston, playing on youth soccer fields all over the area, um, your whole life. I mean, uh, the fire got lit under you as a young kid, didn't it? It did. I, I tell people in its simplest form, I've been obsessed with a round ball my whole life. Um, and it's given me everything I could ever ask for in, in, in this life. And so I really want to make the most of it every day. I, I don't take it for granted. And, and I still enjoy it like a kid at age of 45 right now. So um, I, lo- I love my profession. I love the people that I get to interact with in the profession every day. And that's just, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Eric, before I let you go, I just want to retell the story of you uh, identifying Chris Richards in Alabama. You brought him to Houston for a year with the Texans when you were working at the youth level, and then you moved him on to FC Dallas. And now to see him, you know, playing over in England and representing the U.S. national team and being a good bet for the 2026 World Cup. I mean, that, that, that's got to bring a kind of full circle for you, doesn't it? <laughs> It feels like it was yesterday, to be honest. Uh, but what a what a what a story! What a, what a great kid! What a, what an athlete! What a what a footballer! Um, you, I saw all those things in him immediately. Um, and then what's even more impressive is this, the human being side of Chris Richards is is as top level as you can get. So this kid's worked as hard as, as anybody. He's a great great person. Deserves everything he's gotten. Um, he's he's worked to get there. He's going to continue to grow. I got a chance to see him go over to, to England and watch. Crystal Palace last in, the, in this last season, um, and so I'm just really proud of of who he's become on both sides of the game. Just as you know, inside the lines and outside, he's a, he's a beautiful person. Amazing where this game has taken you as well. Next up for you is Orange County in the USL Championship, who've won four out of their last five. What type of team are they? They're impressive, man. They they've got both sides of the ball going, and they're 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 especially with the attack, they're, they're dangerous. Um, so we've got to really get our game plan right, um, get our guys motivated it's on the road. So, every you know, road games are always, you know, difficult. So but we're hoping to, again, we don't want to change our mentality. It's more about us and keep uh, an aggressive mindset, keep playing downhill. Um, we, don't, we don't take our foot off the gas for anybody. And so we want to, that, that mentality will stay with us all year long, no matter who the opponent is. So, we feel good about where we are, um, but we have, we have to respect uh, each opponent. He's Eric Quill. Uh, next up uh, will be Orange County. Then it's on to Hartford Athletic. And then back home, you'll take on San Antonio FC, who many of us are very familiar with in the state of Texas. Eric, uh, a big thank you for doing the interview. Also, best of luck this coming weekend and in the future. And, and thanks, as always, for coming on. Thanks, Glenn, for having me. Anytime, brother. All right, that's Eric Quill, Houston area youth product, uh, on to great things both as a professional player and now as a professional coach in the USL Championship. We'll take a break here. DaspitLaw.com, presenting sponsors of Soccer Matters. Matters here on the Horn in Austin, Texas, presented by John Daspit and the Daspit Law Firm. 512 call now, daspitlaw.com. Now they are bilingual. You get in a car, boat, motorcycle accident, 
Uh, you need a, a personal injury attorney. You need the best. The best is a Daspit Law Firm, DaspitLaw.com, 512-CALL. Now, car, boat, motorcycle, maybe you work construction, might drive an 18-wheeler. It's DaspitLaw.com, 512-CALL now for the best in representation. Also, give us a subscribe. Spotify, Apple, Google, that's where you can get the podcast of this show and the one in Houston each and every week. LamontBrands.com for your Soccer Matters t-shirts and hats to benefit the 501c charity Snowdrop Foundation for Pediatric Cancer. All right, here from the Miami Herald, Michelle Kaufman. There's no better person to talk to than from the Miami Herald. She is Michelle Kaufman, longtime supporter of the game in this country and covering it uh, and now into the messy period. And Michelle, thank you very much for coming on the show. We appreciate it. Sure. Yeah, it's been it's been crazy. I mean, just every moment of it. My life changed on June 7th. I can tell you, I was actually under the Eiffel Tower on vacation with my husband when I got a call from a very good source that this was going to happen on that day and that wherever I am, I should get near a computer. And I said, oh, no, I just left the Musator saying I'm standing under the Eiffel Tower and the person said, well, you might want to see if they have Wi-Fi there because you're going to be working today. And <clears throat> from that moment forward, it's been a whirlwind, to be honest. That's kind of ironic. You were in Paris uh, with Paris. I was there. On the day. Yes, you know? I was. Th- I was there and he was there. I don't know why he didn't invite me to the little powwow. You know, I think I should have been invited. But it was funny that I was in Paris and he was probably who knows. He may have been 200 yards away from me. I have no idea. Uh, but yeah, it was it was a crazy day. And, and, you know, ever since then, I mean, the the buzz in Miami, you know, Miami, people sometimes say Miami's not a good sports town or whatever. When it comes to soccer, I mean, this place is crazy for soccer, particularly the Latin American uh, fans that are here. And there are roughly 150,000 Argentines that live in Miami and uh, Miami and South Florida. And um and then that doesn't even count the Colombians, the Brazilians, the Paraguayans, the Venezuelans, all the people from Central America, from the Caribbean. It's a huge, huge soccer market, uh, especially for international soccer. And so Messi is, you know, he's a god everywhere, but he really is a god here. And so in the last few weeks, gigantic murals, uh, we, I've written stories about it, you know, huge murals have come, have popped up all over giant buildings in downtown Miami. Artists have come from Argentina to paint these huge murals that you see in Argentina, Buenos Aires, uh, all of a sudden they're all over Miami. The the Messi's face is everywhere all over Miami. Um, And, you know, it's it's just been crazy. I I had the practice today, his first training session that was open to the media. And uh, they allowed 200 media, credentialed media to come in. They had to cap it at 200. I think there were more like 400 credential requests to go to the training, Uh, 200 people. I will tell you that for the last three and a half years, I've been covering soccer in this market since the Miami Fusion days. But as far as Inter-Miami goes, in the last three and a half years that I've been covering this team, I was often the only person at the training. It was me, Phil Neville, and the team, or, you know, me and Diego Alonso and the team. Sometimes there were two or three others. There was, you know, maximum three uh, three or four at the maximum reporters that would come to training. And oftentimes I was the only one. And, uh, you know, I would drive over there an hour and 10 minutes and sit there. But, you know, I always thought it was cool to go and sort of get some FaceTime with the team. Well, now I am one of 200 people. I mean, the security guards are just shoving me aside the way they throw everyone else aside. And I'm like, 
wait a minute, I'm the OG. I am Michelle Kaufman. Do you not know who yeah. I am? I've been here every day. I'm, I'm here when I'm interviewing Noah Allen and, and, you know, interviewing Yedlin and interviewing Breck Shea and, you know, Will Trapp and Luis, you know, Robles. Uh, but here we are now with Messi and Busquette on the field today. I, I almost, I really could not believe my eyes. I mean, I know that this has really happened. I, I saw it with my own eyes today. I saw him there <laughs> running around with the team. And and it's still mind-boggling to so me Michelle, that let they me just, were able let me, to do this. Let yeah. me just cut you off for a second because I want to make sure who, everybody knows who you are. It's Michelle Kaufman, Miami Herald, as you're mentioning there. So I want to ask you some questions about some things specifically. Um, and she's with Miami Herald. She is at, uh, at Kauf Sports on Twitter, K-A-U-F sports at cough sports on twitter great writer michelle so based on the fact that you have been the only one there is there anybody in the organization that's kind of like going hey we need to show michelle kaufman a little bit of loyalty here oh yes absolutely i mean okay. i did i did a one-on-one -on -one, well two-on-one this afternoon with david beckham and jorge mas and i was the only you know i was really the only local and the only print outlet that got to do an exclusive, you know, just by myself. There was a round table with some other reporters who cover the team good. fairly regularly. But yeah, they they have been very good. Uh Jorge, in fact, um, right at the beginning, Jorge decided he wanted to give something to the four or five of us that have shown up all the way back from the beginning. So he did a Zoom call with us before they did any media with anybody else he said i want to take care of the locals who have been here from day one Excellent. and i want to give them something give a give them something before the masses and the circus arrives and so yeah. we did have a very nice long conversation with him where he explained a lot of the background how this came to be and uh and it was really very useful for those of us that cover the team regularly Excellent. so yes i would say that the club has been very good about not forgetting those of us who were there from the start She's Michelle Kaufman, Miami Herald, at Kauf Sports, K-A-U-F-S-P-O-R-T-S. And by the way, you know, your comment about Miami is really interesting because that's the same comment we get in Houston. And people go in droves to international soccer here, just like Miami. And there are a lot of similarities, maybe a little different demographic with the volume of people in certain communities. But the same thing happens here. It's just not been an MLS uh, product city. Um, and I know that's hey. been the same with inner Miami, which is now going to change. All right. So I heard Jorge Mas say something about the potential. If the team went far in, in the league's cup, that potentially the game could be played in the Dolphins stadium. Now I know the Dolphins owner is not too happy with MLS. Is that something that could be a reality? And, you know, I kind of think of that even with regular league games. I mean, you can sell more than what, uh, pink stadium holds right yeah yeah that's it that's been a big question drive pink stadium only holds 19 they added 3,000 more seats on they added two little bleachers on the corners to make it 22,000 but right now there's only 22,000 for Lionel Messi games and it's a it's a you know it's a nice temporary stadium but it's a temporary stadium it's it's basically a, a pink and black and gray lego set you know, that they put up and, and it's nice. I mean, it, they've done as good a job as they can. It really is. It's not a bad facility, but the the capacity is is small. And so everyone kept wondering, why don't they just play at Hard Rock? Why don't they just play at Hard Rock, which is 75,000? Um, you know, it is true that the Dolphin ownership 
and ML, there's always been that that sort of tug of war between relevant sports, which is his organization, Stephen Ross's organization that that brings over the international uh, IFC, whatever it was called, the IFC or whatever they called it, the you know the champions. They would bring over Chelsea or Manchester United or bring over Barcelona, Real Madrid, bring those teams over and play in the summer. And I think MLS's view was always like, you know, why are you bringing this in the middle of our season sort of to show like, oh, this is the real soccer here. You know, these are the real teams that we're bringing over. So there's always been a little bit of a tension there. Um, but I did I did speak to Jorge today about this. He said that um, what he's talking about is U.S. Open Cup for sure. U.S. Open Cup, they're in the semifinal already. Yeah. Uh, they're playing at Cincinnati in the semifinal. If they win, if Miami wins, uh, beat Cincinnati, and if Houston, by the way, is the opponent, the game would be in Miami, I believe. Um, I don't know which one it is. I think it's it's Houston's playing Real Salt Lake, right, in the yeah. other semi? Yep. Um, one of those two scenarios, it's in Miami, and the other scenario would be on the road. If it's the one in Miami, he said that he has already been in talks with Tom Garfinkel of the Dolphin organization to – to possibly host the game there. Uh, he said that for a cup final, they would consider playing at Hard Rock or for some kind of big, a big event game. But he has said that the league games are still going to be at Drive Pink Stadium. That That's what he has said. But but it would not surprise me if they were to make a cup final, that that final game would be played at, uh, at, at, at uh, Hard Rock Stadium. Michelle Kaufman at Kauf Sports on Twitter, Miami Herald. She does an amazing job. She's given us great information in this, this interview. All right. So Lionel Messi's there. Sergio Busquets is there. It's that now seems like Jordi Alba at the time of this interview. There's talks about Luis Suarez. How much conversation occurs uh, amongst the reporters? And are they probing with the question how is this working in an MLS league that has a salary cap? Yep. Well, um, a lot of questions are being asked. Alba's coming in as a TAM player. They have been, uh, the truth is, the first half of this season, they they pretty much sacrificed the first half of this season for the second half in the future. Um, they have been collecting. They have been gathering like, you know, like squirrels gather acorns. This team has been gathering TAM and GAM and all the other letters that are in the uh, MLS alphabet. <clears throat> they got rid of higher priced players. Uh, they have been starting four teenagers from the Youth Academy, Youth Academy four, four, and, and actually the last game there were five. five. One guy 20 years old and four teenagers were starting for the team. These are guys that are making minimum who are literally coming up from the academy. So they've been saving a lot of money. Uh, to use for these players that are coming in. And the other thing is, and this is partly from what I've been told and partly what I truly believe in my heart of hearts, that this situation is a very unique situation that we are seeing, which is that these guys, it's not about money. It really is not about money for this for this little group of players of well, you know, Messi is making a ton of money. He's going to make a lot of money, and he has all the sponsorships. For Busquets, for Jordi Alba, and Luis Suarez, if he were to come, they already have a lot of money. They are still getting money from Barcelona. 
uh, residual money that's still coming, deferred money from, you know, back-ended contracts or whatever. This is what I've been told. So <clears throat> money is not their motivator. The motivator is, it's really two things. This is a little squad of guys. It's almost like a band that's doing a reunion tour, okay? These are messy. It's messy and friends. Messi and his closest friends want to play together before they all retire. They want to play together. They all love Miami. They vacation in Miami on a regular basis. They come here. The, the, Messi already has two luxury condominiums here. I think a couple of the other guys also rent condos here. They love this city. They love the, the fact that it's a Latin American city where everybody speaks Spanish the reporters speak Spanish. That's actually been an issue a little bit because there are only a couple of reporters in this market who don't speak Spanish, who cover soccer. And it's going to be difficult for them because Tata Martino is only doing interviews in Spanish. Lionel Messi is only doing interviews in Spanish. Busquets does speak English, but the other ones don't. It's a very, very Latin team. A lot of the players speak Spanish here and the coach now is Spanish only in the interviews. So <clears throat> they let you ask questions. I do. I speak Spanish. My family's Cuban, Cuban Jewish. We're Juban. So I do speak <laughs> fluent Spanish. Yeah, we're Jubans. Um, <laughs> I do speak fluent Spanish, and that and that is a big benefit being on this team. The the Anglo only reporters are going to have a little bit of a tough time to keep up with the press conferences where they do allow English reporters to ask questions. And they will translate the question to the to either Tata or to Lionel or whoever the player is. And then they'll translate the answer back into English. But they don't translate any of the parts that are being done in Spanish. So there's a whole conversation going on in Spanish and Tata's telling jokes and everybody's laughing. And you're kind of, if you're not part of it, you don't understand it. You're a little bit on the outside looking in. So anyway, all that being said is my way of saying that these are... <clears throat> Three or four, if Suarez were to ever end up here, these are three or four guys who are very close friends, all Spanish speaking. They all love Miami. They're all friends of Messi. And for them, it's not about money. They are not. Yes, they were making 15 million at Barcelona and they're going to be making far, far less than that to come here. I mean, you know, less than a million, maybe 1.5 or less if they're Tam or whatever. What I've heard is these guys just want to play together and they want to play with Messi and they want to play in Miami and they want to experience life in the United States. And they are really intrigued by MLS. They really are intrigued by MLS. They feel that it's a growing league. They, they like the Apple deal that, you know, the, the fans all around the world can watch them on all the different continents can tune into the games. And uh, <clears throat> I just think it's, it's kind of a perfect um, it's just, a very unusual scenario, but I really don't think that it's about money, but I think it's going to be hard to convince the public or the media of that. It just seems crazy. It just seems that they're going to have to bend a lot of rules, bend it like Beckham, you know, they're going to have to bend a lot of rules to bring in all these players. And people are saying, well, how in the world are they doing this? I think it's possible that these guys just are taking humongous pay cuts to come here. I really yeah, do think it's possible. I agree. And I, and I think, I think I suspected that. And I think a lot of people suspected that at this stage of their careers, talking to Michelle Kaufman at cough sports on Twitter. I want to backtrack a little bit though, to it being a very Hispanic team. Is that the direction David Beckham and Jorge Moss really want to lean this team? Is it, is it really about making it, 
a team that appeals more to the Hispanic fan in Miami? Oh, there is no question. And, and that's actually been the plan from day one from the Miami Fusion. The plan from MLS was that the Miami team was going to be the Latin American team. The adopted team of all of Latin America was going to be the Miami team. They wanted this team when they brought in Carlos Valderrama, you know, as the, as the main player on that team for the Fusion. The idea was this team was going to be <clears throat> in the urban core of Miami in the middle of the Hispanic neighborhood, Hispanic families would walk to the games. The stars on the team were going to be Spanish speaking. Most of the top players who played for the Miami Fusion were Spanish speaking players. The first coaches that they brought in were, were Argentine and Brazilian coaches. Um, and so, you know, the idea from way back from 1997, the idea was this is going to be a Latin American MLS team that is going to expand the reach of this league into South and Central America. And people from those countries are going to want to wear Miami shirts and follow these teams. And right now, this is a perfect opportunity. I mean, all of the, the signage, the songs that the, the, the fans here, La Familia, the fan group is called La Familia. All of the songs are in Spanish. I don't even know if there's one English one that's sung, you know, there are a couple, but most of it is in Spanish. Um, <clears throat> the players speak Spanish. The Right now, I mean, when Phil Neville was here, he actually does speak some Spanish that he learned at Valencia. But, you know, most of the practices were conducted in English. Uh, with Tata and his group, I've already heard. I mean, all, the, the practices are being run in Spanish. The press conferences are being run in Spanish with a few English questions being asked. So, yes, this is going to be a very, very... Spanish-leaning, Hispanic-leaning team. There's no question about it. Michelle, and they're not apologizing. They're not apologizing for it. They're not. Well, good for them. I mean, if they're not apologizing for it, they're making it very clear to the public, and 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 I think that's a great thing. Michelle, this is great stuff. You're gonna, you got some good times and a lot of work in front of you. I can sense your excitement in the interview. I love it. Keep it up. Enjoy the enjoy the situation because Lionel Messi just landed in your backyard. You're going to have a great time and do a great job covering it. Thank you for coming on tonight. Sure. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's always fun to talk to you. All right. That's the one and only Michelle Kaufman at Kauf Sports, K-A-U-F Sports, Miami Herald. Okay, that does it tonight for Soccer Matters here on the Horn in Austin, Texas, presented by the Daspit Law Firm, daspitlaw.com, 512-CALL-NOW. They are bilingual. John and his firm, personal injury attorneys, they will fight for your right for compensation. Get the best in personal injury attorneys. DaspitLaw.com. John Daspit, 512. Call now. LamontBrands.com for your Soccer Matters t-shirts. By the way, we have various shades of green over there, all to benefit the 501C Charity Snowdrop Foundation. That's LamontBrands.com. Get your Soccer Matters t-shirts and hats for Jack Farrell. I'm Glenn Davis. Thank you for tuning in, as usual, to Soccer Matters on the Horn in Austin, Texas.